Hi, this is John Barnes, and you're listening to Copon. Over the last few years, there have been two major finals um, that have stood out for Liverpool fans. Uh, iconic finals. Uh, the first one being 2019 in Madrid, when Liverpool took home number six. A performance full of courage and belief. And yesterday, as we're recording this, the 2024 Carabao Cup final, absolutely unforgettable, iconic and indicative of the great belief that a manager can instill in the Liverpool players that they are, whatever happens, they're going to win this match. So it's, it's in great testament to the effect that a manager can have. I just want to start by thanking Mauricio Pochettino. Um, Nigel, uh, well done. Are you cock a hoop or happy as Larry or, you know, uh, any other boomps a daisy or any other expression that you care to think of? Did you sleep okay last night? Uh, I'm as happy as Jorgen. And uh, I just, I was up later than I normally would be. So uh, I was watching some content, uh, little bits of the matches with commentary by, by fans and uh, reactions of other fans. And um, I have to say, the reactions of other fans. Uh, apart from our own, was that one, the first goal shouldn't have been disallowed. Jorgen, uh, Virgil's first header shouldn't have been disallowed. And two, Chelsea bottled it. Pochettino said afterwards, I think, that they were playing for penalties in extra time. Well, I'm sorry, but that's just a, a horrible, defeatist attitude. And our lads went out there uh, with a good, positive attitude. Young lads, you know, very, very young lads. Uh, Jaden Dance, his second game for the club, uh, mirroring that of Ian Rush in 1980. Two, I think, yeah, in 1982. 81. 81, was it? Against Spurs? No, 82. Okay. 82, 82 I read it 81, but I might be wrong. Carry well, on with the stat. I, I, thought, I thought it was 80, 82 against... No, it would have been 81. It would have been 81 against West Ham. Replay against West Ham. And uh, he played... It was his second game for the club in, in, in the replay at Villa Park, I think it was. And uh, we won that game. But uh, yeah, I, I thought I was very impressed with all our kids. I'm very impressed with all our team, all our squad. And the kids were sensationally good, all of them. Um, they, it, was a, it was a pleasure to watch. It, it, was, it was a pleasure and so many things. And I've asked you, Nigel, before we got started to write uh, your top five things that made you happy, basically, about um, that match. I've got my own top five, but uh, no, it's a great it's a great stat to to, to begin with Jaden Dans. In fact, Gary Richards is in the chat. Gary uh, ho, Gary. Lovely to have you with us as always. He says uh, that the, those young Reds made me proud last night. Jaden Dans is the next superstar striker. And, uh, you know, if it's anything, anything related to Ian Rush, uh, then uh, that would be rather... Rather splendid. Um, and Alan is in the chat as well. He says, as VVD said, Quivine, uh, Quiv, Kelleher should have got this man of the match trophy, but I'll take it. That's what Alan says. And I totally agree. Kelleher, man of the match. Some great stats before we get into our top five moments from the match. There are so many of them. Uh, but Quivine, Kelleher, those from, um, many of you may have heard it, from, from the excellent walk-on podcast um there's a, they have a statistician there and i'm terribly sorry i can't remember his name it's mark something um but he talked about uh Kelleher playing obviously two finals against chelsea it was his second final um he's faced in total 13 shots on target in those two games that both went to extra time um he hasn't conceded a single goal and the xg against him was 
3.9 in those two matches. So in other words, he should have conceded four goals in those two games, but yet he conceded none. And Andrew Beasley on Quivine Kelleher, um, Kelleher's performance, uh, he said that just yesterday it was 2.9 XG for Chelsea. And, uh, you know, to, to concede no goals, uh, he um, Quivine Kelleher, I think he became something like the fourth goalkeeper to save as many, to have a clean sheet with 2.9 XG. The fourth goalkeeper in the last something like five years in Europe's top five leagues um, in any match. Uh, and it's absolutely extraordinary. So, um, well, I, I mean, I'm sure Quivin is one of your top five, but let's go in to um into the uh our top five memories uh but just before we do that sorry gary richards is saying do you think that there was beer drinking out of the cup i'm they're barely old enough gary i don't think so it was probably ribena because james milner would have they had to put uh, the, they had to put the sippy cup lid on the hit on, on the cup last night had to put a sippy cup lid on it yeah Excellent stuff. Um, so, yeah, the top five things. Let's go in reverse order um, of what you wrote down. So um, from five to one, the top five happy things from yesterday, Nigel. What's what's your number five? My number five, Owen, is uh, belief and faith in every member of the squad. He put, he put our young kids on there yesterday. And we just, you know, he had so much faith in them. You could see it. it faith and pride in them and and they all they all did um a marvelous job like just to see to see our more experienced players and our injured players in the stands as well like cheering them on and you know it, it was it was marvelous stuff uh you know he said jorgen said after the game we have the world's number one goalkeeper and we have the world's number two goalkeeper yeah so yeah. we've been keller her number one and allison number two <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, great. <laughs> uh, no, that's very good. The belief, I loved that, and I love that um, that uh, Klopp said those things. He also said it was. Um, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but it was it was by far the most special cup triumph he's ever had, and that that comes down to belief. And uh, despite my uh, my um, my uh, sort of half stolen joke at the beginning of the the. Um, the episode uh thank you to my friend david for uh giving me that um the um talking about the actual belief the actual belief yesterday it was it was palpable um and i think you know bobby clark epitomized that i think uh mcconnell epitomized that um and it was those two who combined and already, I mean, I've I've hardly slept. I've been up since five o'clock uh, listening to uh, devouring all kinds of content um, about this match. And nobody's really mentioned the fact that it was McConnell who passed to Bobby Clark, who was in such a tight space, but still managed to get a shot off that was deflected for the winning corner. It was it was those two combining. And McConnell, when he came on, you know, people judge him by first impressions. And he looked a bit nervous when he first came on. He's like, oh, my God, it's a cup final. But then he soon settled into a rhythm and the belief was in him. And he had such belief to play, to find the pockets of space and to, to keep Chelsea pushed back. And Pochettino, who was, I mean, he should hang his head in shame. His tactics were awful. But part of the reason why his players were forced were pushing, were staying back was because they were forced back, and players like McConnell forced them back, Nigel. And is that that belief 
that was in such you know the young kids is is freaking amazing it's yeah. just amazing it's just amazing but how much of that nigel comes from the manager because this is the thing that does you know nag away at the back of my mind is like will any manager in world football be able to give as much belief to any group as Klopp can because I'm I'm not sure I think anyone we get is a step down in terms of that yeah I, I, I can see where you're, I can see where you're coming from with that but um it'll all that'll also be up to the players to to, to our leaders in the team to be able to make sure to just say to the manager hang on now a second we need to keep that little bit to keep our younger players driving on I did I saw a stat somewhere yesterday I can't remember what it was after a certain point in the game James McConnell had more touches than anybody else I think there was 47 really? touches I, I saw really? a stat somewhere he was he was excellent uh, Bobby Clark was excellent um neither player uh, shy about putting a foot in you know and and just like that's what you want you want players who can put the foot in who can can, can like, good touch can look up can play a pass like they've got they've got everything about them to be a Liverpool player you know they're yeah. both 19 years old it's it's incredible it is incredible and, th and they're obviously working on, on on intelligence and calmness and, and and the mental side of the game in um in training in the academy they must be because these kids coming through they've they've all got such intelligence game intelligence and uh, you know epitomized by the yellow card that McConnell took for pulling back uh, pulling back Cole Palmer as he broke broke through so um yeah i mean fabulous absolutely fabulous so many happy things to talk to uh, to talk about excuse me um i want to talk to you about uh my number five which was um wataru endo who could have been number one but all of it my five to one uh happy moments are all interchangeable i suppose but uh wataru endo was absolutely freaking magnificent and I don't know if you've seen like lots of people have, have been sharing this these photos of him in um in a boot, leaving the ground in a boot. There was somebody on Twitter, I'm sorry, I can't um I don't know who it was, uh, but he said that this is something called an air fit boot or an air something boot. And it's it's more as protection against contact injuries as opposed to anything to be, be particularly worried about. But fingers crossed there's nothing um serious there because because wataru endo 91.2 percent passing accuracy nigel 91.2 percent in in a final um where he's played 120 minutes he's like the oldest player by far he could be everyone's granddad in our team um and if you compare that to like enzo fernandez for example 76.7 percent passing accuracy from Endo for Enzo Fernandez. Enzo, who had one shot, which was a, a really awfully executed back heel. Um, and uh, Wataru Endo had two shots uh, from a number six position. And in so many metrics, he just he just trumps every every both of the number sixes. Caicedo as well, who should have been sent off. But Wataru Endo had six tackles, which was the most in our team, uh, equal with Alexis McAllister. Uh, three clearances, one blocked shot. Um, he drew two fouls from the opposition. And he's just, he's just so smart positionally. And the things that, you know, don't show up in statistics. I mean, in the... in commentary I, th I think Stephen Warnock said that he had the heart of a lion um but I think it's more a lioness because if you actually look at the behavior of 
lions, it's the lionesses who go out and do all the hunting and do all the hard work. And the, and the males just sort of sit on their butts and uh, watch everything uh, go and then go and eat what, what they want from the, from the carcass. You know, a little bit like, uh, I don't know, Garth Crooks in punditry. Um, so, yes, heart of a lioness, let's say, for water. Um, it, it was freaking beautiful. Have you got anything to say about Endo? Yeah, it kind of it kind of ties in with my number four Excellent. as well. My number four uh, I have written down is a uh, written off to writing headlines. Beautiful. So it's guys, it's it's not only Wataru Endo in that context. I'm talking about Virgil Van Dyke. Oh, he's no good anymore. He's he's past it. We're going to have to get rid of him. Well, you can see Virgil saying it last night at one stage. He said they thought I was finished. Uh, Endo there walking around looking like he was being kneecapped or something. I don't know what it was. Um, well, I do know what it was actually. I think um, he's walking around with Caicedo in his pocket. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> so, yeah, um, you know he was outstanding. Like outstanding. I, I actually, I, I was on a pod last night, and um, the lads was were that, was that, Sorry, was that the co council with Connor? Yes. Yes, Connor, Check yes. that out, everybody. The cop yeah, council on YouTube, absolutely fabulous. Yeah, I tuned in as, as much yeah. as I could. I'm looking after the baby. Show. Very good. Um, yeah, I just I, I said last night on that. Um, the lads were picking their man of the match, and I said, I said Endo, because I thought he was absolutely magnificent. Um, he is kind of like, I suppose it's like Virgil as well, but he's like the center cog of a machine, and everything revolves around him. He just stays in the middle and turns, twists, and controls everything. He's the man that our backbone is built on, and everything comes from him. He's the fulcrum of our team. There is a reason why the number six position in, in Brazilian uh, Portuguese and Brazilian football parlance, the number six position is is called the steering wheel. And Fabinho did it beautifully. And now Wataro is doing it beautifully. And Alexis McAllister does it beautifully. Um, you know, Jurgen Klopp, uh, in his post-match press conference, he said, a good development, huh? We're talking about Wataru Endo. Yeah, I said it a couple of times that we were lucky. We bring him in, and obviously Wataru, I'm pretty sure, in three or four years, Wataru will sign another long-term contract at Liverpool uh, just because he might be 30 or 31 on his passport, but he's not. He's a machine. He is, footballing-wise, exceptional. His defensive brain is outstanding. He gives us a lot of freedom for a lot of things. Yeah, top development. Very helpful. Very helpful. Club loves him. I've got the tattoo booked in. Uh, it's going to be Wata forever. Um, absolutely wonderful stuff. And what you were saying before about um, confounding expectations, uh, it's absolutely brilliant. Uh, Virgil van Dijk. Um, yeah. Queeving Kelleher as well. Oh, written man. off. Joe Gomez. Kelleher, but he's uh, he's sort of my number one yeah. uh, in that. But uh, to talk about all, various moments. All the players that were written off. Darwin yeah. Nunes mightn't have been playing yesterday, but you know. Virgil van Dijk. Absolutely. After his injury, coming yeah. back, not finding yeah. his form. Virgil's yeah. lost the plot. That's what they were saying. Yeah. That header, by the way. Oh man. Because that brings me on to my my uh, number four, which is which is Virgil. Okay. Um, actually, no, my number one is different. It's not Kelleher. So good. We'll keep the, the suspense going. It's not. But Virgil was absolutely impeccable last night. He was brilliant. And tell me about that goal. Like, if you compare the disallowed goal, I'm going to be controversial and I'm going to say that it should have been disallowed. I think it was a good decision. I think it was the correct decision by VAR because 
And I understand people who will disagree with me and, and who think the goal should have stood. But I think it's the correct decision because Endo is standing in an offside position and he's blocking the defender. And it's it's basically two foul. It's not really a foul, but it's it's, it's being in an offside position and affecting the play is a, is an offside. And if, if, if it had been the other the other way around and Chelsea had scored a goal with an offside player blocking one of our defenders, I would have been livid. So I think it was a good decision. Um, but if you compare that moment to um, to our goal, and if you watch it back, I'm sure you've watched it a thousand times, but our, our winning goal from Virgil, um, look at Cole Palmer, because Virgil gets a run on whoever's marking him. I think it's Dizazi, but I'm not sure. And Cole Palmer could have, because he wasn't marking anyone, there was no one around him, he could have taken just a step back and he would have blocked Virgil's path. Um, and he didn't. And that's just a way that, you know, talking about confounding expectations, Liverpool are just smarter than Chelsea. Klopp is smarter than Pochettino. Our players are smarter than Cole Palmer. And and they're they're better drilled as a result. And the, the analysis is better. And this is how, with analysis, you can really, really win a lot. And it was it, it, it was absolutely terrific. But Virgil himself, I mean, just a couple of stats for you uh, from his match yesterday. I'll just bring them up here. Um, he, um, where is he? Big Virg. Um, uh, who scored gave him man of the match? Um, okay, fair enough. Three tackles, two interceptions. Seven clearances, two blocked shots. Uh, of course, the winning goal. Um, offensively speaking, he had that was his one legal shot that was on target or header. Uh, he had also had two key passes, which is not bad for a centre back. Um, and uh, he got ninety one point one percent passing accuracy and four aerials won. Uh, 120 touches in the match. He was the the player with the most amount of touches in our team, actually, which is um, a little bit unusual. Um, but Virgil was 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 freaking magnificent. He's 32, Nigel, a year and a half left on his deal. But I want him to sign. Speaking of machines who are way beyond their years, I mean, I want him to sign another long term contract. Uh, talk to me about Virgil. Yeah, I, I think there's no doubt he'll sign. I, I have absolutely no doubt whatsoever he'll sign another, at least a three-year contract, I think. Like, he, he's been, he's improving again. Um, just to give you a comparison goal uh, to to the, the header yesterday, uh, another very important goal in uh, our title-winning season, Sadio Mane versus Aston Villa. Ball was coming like that as well. It was coming across, it was an outswinger, and Mane cut across and got a kick in the face for it at the same time kind of headed it at that kind of same angle and in off the post if you remember if it, it, it was that kind of angle on as well that's that's what hit me immediately when it went in I said that's like Sadio Mane's goal absolutely right yeah I remember that one yeah unforgettable unforgettable what a moment really yeah uh, what a well, moment when he got the boot in the face for, for yeah. his travels as well absolutely yeah. wonderful he was yeah he was brilliant yesterday um you know, I, I actually have to come uh, to say about Konate then as well. Uh, mm. He was going. He went. Konate went running back there at one stage and made a wonderful, wonderful tackle. Was uh, it on Nick was, Jackson? I couldn't remember. Yeah, who it, was it was against. Jackson. I was. It was. It was against Jackson. Wonderful. Yeah, a brilliant tackle. It just, you know, very good pace mightn't be there as much as it was, but his reading of the game is there and his ability to help players through. But like. That's but that's why we have a team. That's why does you know Virgil mightn't be able to make these passes, but Ibu can or make these challenges and stuff like that. But Ibu can. So I mean that's mm. that's what we're there for. Mm. 
Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's building the blend, giving them the belief, giving them the courage uh, to be themselves and to be their, their glorious, glorious selves. I mean, uh, Jamie Carragher said that Virgil van Dijk is hands down the best uh, central defender the Premier League's ever seen. Yes, I would agree with that. I would agree that he's, uh, I would put him in the conversation with the best defender ever. Uh, you know, someone I remember, Beresi, I remember Maldini, the great Italians. Um, even Fabio Cannavaro, you might might put him put him in there. Uh, wonderful French defenders we've seen, amazing Brazilian defenders. Uh, I put Virgil up there with them, but of course Alan that's going to be subjective. Uh, but the guy I was going to mention was Alan Hansen, and you could say that you know Virgil is Alan Hansen's replacement. You know, it took us twenty seven years to find him, uh, but uh, it's that kind of you know once in a generation defender. Uh, hopefully, Alan Hansen retired in 1990. So yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Uh, and 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 so you know, that's the thing. We just got to enjoy it because it's not as if when Virgil retires. I mean, Conate, I absolutely adore, and he was freaking amazing again. Absolutely tremendous, tremendous on fire yesterday. Um, but it's just like Virgil's unique. I mean, unique in a generation, just like Alan Hansen was. And I just think um, we just got to enjoy these players. Don't oh, expect yeah. us to replace Virgil because uh, he's irreplaceable and impeccable when he's on form like yesterday. So that was his third man of the match, uh, official man of the match um, in a final after the uh, 2019 Champions League final and uh, the last League Cup final, I believe, uh, win, which was also against Chelsea. Um, three, clean, okay. three clean sheets. Pardon? Three clean sheets. Yes, absolutely. Before we get to your number three, Nigel, let's just go through some some of the some of the comments. Dave's LFC chats. Dave is here. Excellent. He says, "Let's go." And we were more streetwise than Chelsea. Yes, we were, Dave. Yes, we were, despite the lack of experience. And because lots of people are mentioning the lack of experience, as in not just the age of the players, but the actual match experience of the players uh, on show. Um, and I'll get onto that a bit later. I've got a great stat, an original, hop-on original stat that I just worked out on the bus and it took me about half an hour because I'm not very good at maths. But uh, I checked it and it's uh, it's correct. Uh, so I'll get onto that in a bit, but lovely to have you with us, Dave. Um, and also in the, in the chat, Douglas is here from the Dugout Football Channel. Ten times winners, baby, he says, and he puts ten cup emojis. Yeah, ten times EFL Cup winners. Yes, you can poo-poo it. You can say the EFL Cup is just, uh, you know, the Mickey Mouse Cup. Of course, it's the fourth most important trophy in every season, but it's a trophy, and it's a major trophy, and everyone else it, would love to win it. It wasn't, it wasn't the Mickey Mouse Cup when the other fella lifted it last season for United, was it? Well, exactly. If your team yeah. wins it, then yeah. it's a beautiful thing to win. Um, very good. And, uh, yeah, so great. Thanks very much. And uh, also, uh, <laughs> uh, Doug says, thank goodness we signed Konate instead of Upa Disaster Meccano. Well, yes. Um Ibu is uh, well. He, I like Upamecano to be honest, but uh, Tuchel not getting the best out of him is is uh, not really a surprise to be honest. I mean, he can be a bit dodgy, uh, but he's got he's got great talent, Upamecano. But anyway, um, your number three, Nigel. Where are we? Where are you? Number three. What's that? 
My number three was Ryan Babel is right. Ooh. Or was right. What did Ryan he say? Babel. Do you remember he posted the, the picture of uh, Howard Webb in a Man United shirt <laughs> after a game years, a few years ago? Uh-huh. Well, the referee, the standard of refereeing a few years ago wasn't great. Then Howard Webb took over. He was saying, hold my beer. <laughs> this is And, and he's just paid. The whole regime has just gone down the tubes gradually. It's like a swirl now. It's where it's going. A dirty swirl in the toilet. Uh, about how, it's, it's just an absolute, oh, a travesty. We've got another player limping around on crutches there yesterday. And we don't even get a free kick for it. I'm going to, okay. First of all, let me just say, Kavanagh, I, I've, I've defended him in the past because until yesterday, he was, the, in my opinion, the best referee in the league. He ruined it yesterday by being utterly shit. But that particular instance is very easy to miss in real time. The person I blame for that, considering that Graham Birch was down for a long time, had to be stretched off. person I blame for that is John Brooks on VAR. Because that is disgraceful, how you can see that studs up challenge. And what he did, he decided in his puny little tiny little mind with his one little neuron that's bouncing around looking for a friend. He decided that it was careless and not dangerous play. That is. Does that all come from the time Klopp got in his face earlier on the season? Do you remember that? Exactly. These these refs, they don't just have chips on their shoulders. They've got the burger and a collection of sauces. They are absolutely disgraceful. And that that thing, like already we've seen a number of red cards given for a lot less than that this season. But regardless of, of what's gone before, if you just look at the rules, the rules are if it's dangerous play, it's a red card. And if you break someone's, pretty much break their ankles, definitely got done, could be serious ligament damage. We don't know yet. We haven't heard yet uh, as we're recording this. But the, the definition of, of a studs up challenge causing, you know, a significant um, injury to a player who has to then be stretched off is the definition of freaking dangerous. Like, what don't you understand about the own rules that you are supposed to be enforcing? And this is the point about refereeing. I know, Nigel, you think that there's a conspiracy going on. And I do think that there, there is a lot of evidence that supports that. But I'm just going to go with the fact that they're just idiots. And because... You could talk about the Endo one. And, and the reason why I think a lot of fans are saying that Endo, given, you know, the technical offside for Virgil van Dijk's first header that found the net, um, that one should have stood because it shouldn't be a foul. And that is a different argument to what's in the rules. And yes, the rules can be wrong. And I think in this case, possibly they are, because I don't think it should have been an offside. But according to the rules, it is an offside, which is why I think that was a good decision, because according to the rules, that's a technical offside and it, the goal should not have stood. But the Caicedo one, man, on Gravenberch was, I mean, Kavanaugh was 
fucking awful. There's no other word for it. It's it's not freaking awful. It's not absolutely awful. It's it's the f bomb fucking awful because he couldn't give yellow cards at the beginning of the game because he was back to the 1980s. He's like, well, I don't want to give yellow cards early because that might give me a trouble later on in the match. Like bollocks to that man. Just do your job. You've got the rules. How does it the rules? It wasn't even the yellow card. It could have been a red. It was dangerous. Oh, no, the Caicedo one was definitely red. But what I'm yeah. talking about is all the other ones that oh, happened yeah. in the first five or ten minutes oh, yeah. that could have been also a yellow card. But he just let it all go. The and worst it, thing about it, Owen, is uh, apart from the fact that we've got, we've got a player injured, but the worst thing about these refereeing decisions is consistency and lack thereof. You know, it's just... it's it's. I've often said to people, people are asking me, did you see the match last night? No, I said, I, I'll just about watch Liverpool now at this stage because it's gone to such a stage that you can't watch football without these guys getting involved and making really, really bad decisions. That, uh, have you got, you know, needing, I, if I was doing that, I'd be needing a new TV every week. I'd be breaking televisions left, right and centre. It's just, it's so inconsistent and it's so badly inconsistent. You know, it, it's, it's, it's sad to see. And how can they how can they improve consistency i mean they can have they can have regular meetings about about sort of the the subjective ones let's say for example curtis jones red card very very harsh uh, against tottenham um uh because there have been many other instances just like that that haven't been given as, Audrey does that 10 times again worse well, yes, exactly, exactly. And uh, also in terms of consistency, yellow cards, in terms of stopping a counter-attack, if we're talking about Rodri in Manchester City, how that should automatically be a yellow card, but for some reason it's not. Um, um, so you can, you, can, you can improve consistency by, by having regular meetings and deciding, okay, for this one, we're always going to give a yellow. For this one, we're always going to give a red. And, you know, look at the... Because the inc incidents are similar very very similar in matches even if they're not 100 the same it's similar enough to say okay this is one of those this falls into this category or that category but the main thing to improve consistency is just freaking apply the rules just apply the rules correctly and it's, it shouldn't be that hard especially if you're a professional but for some reason these these nincompoops get it wrong so obviously, so 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 often, they have nobody to answer to either. Though there should be some kind of a an independent body who will say, right, you were really terrible last week. You're getting suspended for two weeks. Exactly, exactly. And there the Premier no League should should, should cancel their contract. Yeah. You're absolutely right because the PGMO are a disgrace, and everybody says it. And Klopp after the match. Uh, said that the referee just wasn't up to the standard and that's good right. and i hope klopp continues to not mince his words as we go into his final hurrah the, the last lap and and he should just insult them every game when they deserve it when they when they have a good match we should also say they have a good match chris kavanagh has had a couple of several good matches this season but he we had an absolute nightmare yesterday anyway my number three i'm going to move on from referees for today my number three um in my list of things that made me happy from yesterday um was uh chelsea uh todd bowley's face uh after the match uh he was very i don't know if cold is the word um frigid ice cold um you know if you'd if you'd tapped him with a little hammer he would have shattered into a thousand pieces um, maybe yeah maybe he got botox 
<laughs> yes, maybe too much Botox. Um, he got his hair cut uh, for the for the occasion. You know, the mullet was gone, and he had this Chelsea scarf on. And Pochettino blanked him at the end. I don't know if you saw that. He he didn't shake his hand, uh, which is obviously very indicative of what's going on there. But Todd Bowley, I mean, it's been his um money laundering project presumably uh maybe on secretly on behalf of the russian government we don't know maybe secretly on behalf of the american government we don't know but putting a billion pounds and the actual from the cies football observatory the official um sorry the very uh celebrated and well-known and well-respected football statistics um uh organization the cies uh they have the second most expensive squad this year of 978 million pounds over a billion euros nigel and there's something very satisfying about todd bowley realizing that you can't just buy success of the chelsea fans deep down realizing that they'll never be as big as liverpool and looking at the faces of the really unpleasant players that play for Chelsea, such as Ben Chilwell. I, I, apparently he was in tears. I didn't see that. But just just lose because they deserve to lose because they're all a bunch of money-grabbing, uh, soulless um, fools. So that made me happy in a schadenfreude kind of way. Um, how do you feel about Chelsea, Nigel? Are they the most unlikable team, apart from obviously Manchester United, in the Premier League? No, I don't think they are. Uh, as bad as United are, I think Chelsea and City are worse okay. because at least at least United haven't done what Chelsea and, 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 and City have done. And that takes a lot for me to say that. I can, I can guarantee you that. But I just, at least United didn't. Oh, no, I still think they have probably have the most expensive squad in the league, United. But uh, just the, the, the United fans are bad. They're up there as well with the, with the worst. But like, like I'm not sure you saw it. There was a City fan posted a picture. I think it was Van Dyke on his knees celebrating a goal or something like that, or Nunes or somebody like that. I can't remember who it was, but the stand in the background was empty. Liverpool stand. Now he'd either taken a picture during the COVID lockdown when we were celebrating the goal. Oh no way! Or, or he photoshopped, photoshopped <laughs> a bank of empty seats, oh, which just doesn't happen. It just does not happen at Anfield. No, it's never happened. Did you hear that crowd yesterday? It was incredible. Mm -hmm. They wish that they could get anywhere near that. So do City. You know, at least United's fans will turn up. They always did. Yeah, okay. I mean, that's a great answer. I'd I put it, yeah, Chelsea and Manchester City, more unlikable than Manchester United. Yeah, in terms of their, you know, there being an asterisk against everything they've won since their... Um, money laundering takeovers, then uh, yeah, absolutely, yeah, 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 totally, totally. I get that, I get that. Um, yeah, but uh, no, I mean, uh, excellent, excellent answer. Thank you. Uh, what's your number two, Nigel? Number two is the squad togetherness. Ooh. I thought it was brilliant. Uh, like our, our players up on the stand, and the fact that Hungary and Uruguay might have Olympic steeplechasers in the office. <laughs> when, you yes. see, when, you see, when you see Dom and 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 Darwin jumping over the gates and the, and, and the advertising hardens to get out onto the field. At the end, it was brilliant. It really was. It's all our players were there. Uh, Curtis Jones hopping down the steps, uh, and, and, and I think I think Darwin nearly pushed him out of the way to get over. It was it was amazing. I really really enjoyed 
the way our players on the field and off the field celebrated everybody together it was great it really was it was it was an absolute like i said earlier on a pleasure to watch that's the thing with any winning team you need the togetherness and it's the opposite of chelsea isn't it like chelsea is just individuals they're in it for themselves they're trying to save their career they're trying to carve their own way out of the club some of them it seems because it's just an absolute mess uh, and you know it's just playing playing for themselves and like i don't know they, there's none of that but with us yes there's a togetherness such a happiness a happiness in the in this in the changing rooms after you could see them dancing to that song one kiss that i'm too old to appreciate <laughs> or even know who did it um uh, i think it's a bit of a rubbish song to be honest so yeah, i've just got to be in the minority by putting that out there but anyway um but you know as, if, as long as the liverpool players enjoy it and the fans enjoy singing it then who am i to judge um because yeah they're together so, and to, the togetherness with the fans as well um you mentioned our fans before i mean my god it's not on my list so i want to talk about the fans i mean from booing the national anthem to the end i was so proud i was so proud i wish i'd been there um booing the national anthem especially in front of chelsea fans and um you know uh, i don't know what to, i don't know there was a reporter from the liverpool echo and i'm sorry i forget which one but he said that he's been to wembley a number of times and he's never known it to be as loud as it was yesterday which yeah, is which is a video on youtube of the la 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 song in mm -hmm. extra time mm -hmm. and it's absolutely i had to turn my tablet down it was that <laughs> it was absolutely deafening it was incredible wonderful wonderful stuff um yeah it's uh it's uh it's so proud and, and the synergy the togetherness between the players and the and the and the crowd is so important to our club and it was all it was there and it was there in the second half against luton and uh, it's going to be there for the rest of the season, and we're going to need it because you see uh, our players, you see our players on at the bottom of the steps before they went up to the top level to get the cup I with some of the people down at the bottom. There were some disabled people. I hope okay. that's the right way. The right way. Oh. I'm saying it, but they, it was brilliant because they were going around there and they were meeting the the, the, the players were meeting them and they were giving them high fives and shaking oh, hands. With them. It was fantastic. It was really, really good. That's you know, what we want. Absolutely, wonderful. Wonderful. Well, and, and all the players shaking hands going down the steps, and it was it was amazing to see the the, the interactions, you know, and 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 one, whichever of our fans it was to that got into Enzo Fernandez and started laughing at him about Luz, he did not oh, like that. All that someone put put out on Instagram or something. There was a, somebody right on the as the players were walking up uh to to get the as the Chelsea players were walking up the steps uh to get the runners up medals, and he said uh unlucky lad and he started laughing to enzo yeah. who then sort of turned around and squared up to this liverpool fan which made him laugh even harder yeah um, great. it was it was kind of funny to be honest uh enzo he didn't look like he had much of a sense of humor about himself um but uh there you go he would have learned that at liverpool he would have been successful at liverpool uh, but there you go pan of scouts is in the chat great to have you with us pan of hope you're well and uh yes um yeah, yeah gary richards talking about chelsea says that billion pound empty bottles of plonk very good gary exactly um speaking of uh dud vintage wine i don't know if anyone's seen that documentary I can't remember what it's called sour grapes if you've ever seen that for any fine wine lovers um there was a, a con artist who managed to mix successfully 
mix um, much, much cheaper bottles of wine and pass them off as the most expensive bottles of wine, your sort of premier Grand Cru from Bordeaux, if you know about wine. And so he's absolutely destroyed the market. So now if you're going to invest in wine, you're never quite sure if it's if it's a, a real vintage or if it's a fake vintage and and Bowley has just been buying fake vintage after fake vintage after fake vintage Mudrick for example or so we call him shit Rick or if we're going to use the uh the uh Ukrainian pronunciation it would be mood Rick in which case we should call him bad mood Rick because he never looks happy um he's wasting his career and he's just like he's just a sprinter he's one of those wingers like uh, anthony that horrible scumbag at, at manchester united who um you know they, they're just wonderful at getting corners that's all they do they run down the wing they do a couple of step overs and then they knock it against the defender and win a corner and the crowd goes way and till you actually take a step back and go actually is this player really effective is it worth spending all that money just to win corners? No, of course it's not. Anyway, uh, where are we? Number two. Number two. You've done your number two. I've right? done my number two, yeah. My number two was Kelleher. Um, specifically, we've already spoken about the great stats. Um, specifically, what I love about Kelleher is how much he looked like Alison Becker with the two incredible saves. That moment in the first half, when uh, Raheem Sterling controlled a cross where he could have hit it first time, but it was a very difficult shot to take on first time. I don't mind him taking a touch there, but Connor Bradley stepped in with a wonderful tackle, but it fell to a Chelsea player, Cole Palmer, their best player on his favourite left foot. I think it's his favourite left foot. He's certainly got a very strong left foot. And he whacked it at the goal. But the target he had to hit in those milliseconds when the ball came to him, was so much smaller because of Queeve and the way that he came out and made himself really big and the ball hit his arm and, and then Endo. Oh, what a tackle. I can't I think it was Nick Jackson, maybe that he denied after that. It was an unbelievable tackle that people were barely even talking about in commentary or in other podcasts. But that moment, that triple defensive move uh, with Queeve was was insane. And also the other moment was with, with Conor Gallagher one-on-one -on -one, uh, with the keeper right at the end of the match, wasn't it, the end of normal time. And Weave came out and he looked so Allison again. He came out, put his body in the perfect position, shut down all of the angles, and you had to find the right corner to 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 have beaten him, but he just it just wasn't there. So Kelleher and he was so cool. He's so cool, even after the match. And very don't forget, don't forget the third save and the third was, save. I mean, I've forgotten the, already. The third me. save, there was a ball coming over the far side, and I think I think Kanate dropped blocked the first one with a really good slide in, mm -hmm. and then it kind of came over at an angle, and the guy hit a shot, and he kind of palmed it away, and it was coming back in, and Joe Gomez blocked the next shot. And then one of the Chelsea guys hit the ball and it came straight into Keller's arms. Oh, so yeah, right at the end. Yes. yes, that goal mouse scramble yeah. right at the yeah. end. Absolutely amazing. Yeah. I had forgotten. There's so much about this match. but Joe Gomez yesterday as well, when he came on, did very, very well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Talk to me about Gomez and Keller. Yeah. Uh, well, I have to say, I've said, I think we've said it a few times on some of these, on some of these pods. I, I think Joe Gomez should be nominated for our, one of our players of the year this year. 
he's been absolutely outstanding all season. Another guy who was written off came on yesterday after being left out very, very unluckily and just continues to perform at an extremely high level with no recognition whatsoever, except for most. Absolutely. Sorry, I was, I was zoning out there because uh, I was I was just uh, that it had some breaking news from from Doug in the in the um, in the comments. Breaking Everton have had their points deduction reduced from ten to six points on appeal. Oh, um, so okay, fair enough. So that now they move up to twenty five points in the league, which brings them up to fifteenth. So and take another uh, ten points off them. Well, yeah, they might take another ten points in the in the next uh, round of uh, allegations against them. But uh, okay, that's uh, that's good news for the for the blue brethren. Um, and uh, I'm in two minds about whether I want them relegated or not um, because I really enjoy the Merseyside derby. Um, Nigel's putting his thumbs down; he wants them to go down. Uh, and I understand. I mean, you know, there's a lot of um, uh, reasons why that would be really funny. And but 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 that's another reason why they should stay up is because they've given us so much comedy that um, I would miss them. It's like you know, uh, some kind of annoying neighbour who just keeps you know doing a sideshow bob and standing on a rake, and you could just watch them go around and around whacking themselves in the face. Um, you know, it's. Uh, it's fun to be Everton's rival, and I want that to continue. Um, anyway, um, yeah, brings us towards our number one. Uh, so, number one, if you've just joined us, like uh, like Philip has in the chat, Philip uh, uh, Bidwell, uh, welcome. He says, we beat the billion-pound flops of Chelsea. Yes, we did. Floppy as Prince Philip's old ding-dong, but uh, we won't go there. Um talking about Camilla like that talking about Camilla like that very good your number one of the things that made you happy about yeah. yesterday little headline brick wall runners brick wall runners brick wall runners our mean? lads and I'm pointing my finger squarely at Bataro Endo mm -hmm. in this context Lads who will go through everything uh -huh. to do what's right for the team. Running through brick walls for the manager, running through for your teammates, for everybody else. And it's just, it's incredible to watch. And they all did that yesterday. Every single one of them. There's a couple of the guys on the sideline did it as well. Just, you know, it's, it's, it really is a joy to behold. And Chelsea just didn't have uh, that kind of... Um, character, shall we say, in their team. It just, there just wasn't. And we had an abundance of them, a plethora, so to speak, of, <laughs> of brick wall runners. That's exactly what we, we had yesterday. We really, we fully, fully deserved to win that game yesterday because of our attitude. And there was only one team out there who didn't want to go to penalties. That's right. And um, that's a great answer. And, and it's that, it's the attitude. Um, as I was saying earlier, I, I reckon it's 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 they work on that in the academy. They must do because these kids coming through. I mean, it wasn't just the kids; it was every single person, the, the subs, and everybody who started. Harvey Elliott also epitomised that. Wonderful the running right to the end. Wonderful, he was absolutely wonderful. And, the guy, and the guy who's uh, behind you, um, 
uh, on your, you know, for the audio listeners, you won't know, but uh, Nigel's sitting in front of a marvellous virtual background of Lucho Diaz. Um, the way that he couldn't even run at the end, they had to put him in the centre of the pitch because he literally could not run anymore. But he was still taking touches, keeping the ball, bringing other players into the team, creating space for uh, the likes of Jamie Dan. He was man of the match. Well, there were lo loads there of people would say that Lucho was... He was our out ball. He was our legs. He was absolutely outstanding as well. Absolutely. I mean, while we're on while we're on the the subject of Lucho, let's uh, let's uh, give you some uh, some key figures from from the game. So he had five shots, which was the most of anyone in the entire match. Um, he had four key passes as well. So he was the most creative player and the guy taking the most shots. Um, an incredible eighty eight point seven percent passing accuracy. Which, as we've mentioned before in Copon, sometimes means that he's playing it safe, whereas really he could take a few more risks. But in the context of a cup final, keeping the ball, as well as having five shots and four key passes, means that you're, 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 you're choosing your moments well, basically. And he's, he's choosing to keep the ball, to recycle the ball under all sorts of pressure from Malo Gusto, who's arguably Chelsea's best player along with Cole Palmer because he's a very very good right back um but no I love that I love that uh answer Nigel but 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 it brings me to my number one which is which is the kids because I want to talk about Malo Gusto just for a moment because uh, some I, I read some comments on YouTube various YouTube channels that I've consumed this morning um and they're the odd Chelsea fan coming in and um chiming in with the concept that Chelsea had a younger starting 11 average than Liverpool and uh, they're not getting any credit for for, for, for their kids um and they didn't win well yes there's that there's that which is uh, slightly key uh, but um it's also complete bullshit if you look at a little bit deeper you know we we're not having the sort of, um, you know, the Danny Murphy superficial analysis that you get on Match of the Day, Jermaine Genius, etc. We're not like that on Coppon. We go a little bit deeper. So I worked out on the bus home after dropping uh, my baby off at the nanny. Um, I looked at the stats in all competitions this season. OK, and check this out. I'm going to post this on Twitter when I get a moment. So... Of the players on the pitch who were 20 years older or younger, Chelsea only had two in the entire 120 minutes. They had Malagusto and Levi Colwill, who incidentally celebrates his 21st birthday today. So happy birthday, Levi Colwill. I hope you're having a lovely day. You could be in red, but you're staying in blue and you're feeling blue on your 21st birthday. But he was 20 years old yesterday, so we'll count him as a 20-year-old. Levi Colwell and Malo Gusto, um, between them this season, they've played 4,046 minutes, okay? Roughly 4,000 minutes between them uh, together combined. Malo Gusto and Levi Colwell, 4,046 minutes. Liverpool, on the other hand, if you... Well, our players who are 20 years or younger yesterday we had in ascending order of age Jaden Vance, Bobby Clark, James McConnell, Connor Bradley, Harvey Elliott and Jarrell Kwanzaa. That's 21. Yes, no, but I'm talking 20 or under. 20 or under, okay. Um, and of that, 
our combined minutes. Actually, if you take out Elliot, I took out Elliot for no reason. Sorry, he's only 20. Between Dan's, Clark, McConnell, Bradley and Kwanzaa, they've only amassed 1,048 minutes between them in their careers. Uh, so... Jerome Kwanzaa was on loan to Bristol Rovers last season. Yeah, sorry, I'm sorry, I'm not talking their careers. I mean this season. Oh, sorry, in all competitions. I'm yeah. sorry, terrible. I'm terrible at delivering this stat. It took me ages to figure out. So, 1,048 minutes between five players, or 4,046 minutes between two players, and these are the youngsters, the real youngsters. You could talk about Gravenberch, who's 21, exactly. You can talk about Cole Palmer, who's also 20, 21, I believe. Um. So yeah, basically there's 3,000 minutes difference. Chelsea far more experienced, but the kids is my number one thing of just what made me happy because I wasn't that surprised, Nigel. I don't know if you remember in the group chat before the game, I, I was confident when the teams came out and I predicted a Jaden Dan's winner in extra time uh, because I thought that I believed in these kids. And a lot of the Chelsea players, Stephen Warnock made a very good point. A lot of the Chelsea players won't even know who they are when they're coming off the pitch. Um, Conor Gallagher was visibly like befuddled looking at Bobby Clark going, who the hell are you chasing me down just after coming on the pitch? But Bobby Clark, they were absolutely brilliant, Nigel. Absolutely insane. The other, the other thing about our kids and their kids younger than us or whatever, they tried to play for penalties. We said it before. Mm -hmm. our, our guys went out there and put their mind to going out there and, right, let's get a winner. Let's go out there and score. Mm -hmm. That's The mentalities were so different. Now, it, I'm, I'm sure it comes from the coaches, but like they had no one there, young, old, whatever, whoever it was, willing to grab the game by the scruff of the neck, and we did. We had 11 guys on the pitch at all times, willing to go out there and take that ball and take that game by the scruff of the neck and try and win it. They had a few moments, but for the most part, particularly in extra time, there was only one team out there trying to win. And that's why our young lads are getting a lot a lot more uh, plaudits, shall we say. They should. They really should. I mean, of those players, right? I mean, the, the ones that, I mean, obviously, Javier, like, we hope that he has a long and illustrious career with Liverpool. But the, the, the real beginners here, you can include Kwanzaa, in that uh, Kwanzaa, Bobby Clark, James McConnell, uh, Jaden Dans, um, for example, of those four, I fully expect all of them to still be at the club in four or five years, which is very unusual if you look at. And then the there's the other the two players. on the bench. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the other two, Lewis Kumas and Lewis uh, Kumas Trey Mione, who's sixteen. Oh, Trey Maurice Mione, and I think more people should use his full name because that's absolutely <laughs> epic. Yeah. Trey Maurice. Neoni. Yes, absolutely. Um, I, hopefully. But do you agree with me that Dan's McConnell, Clark and 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 Kwanzaa will, will, will still be at the club in four or five years? Oh, I, I, I can't see why not. I really can't see why not. They're just, you know, stay around the squad, build up, build up, build up. In, in five years time, we'll be, we'll be talking, you know, 24-year-old uh, Bobby Clark, uh, mainstay of the Liverpool midfield mm. with 29-year-old uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold. I mean, it would be beautiful. Um, yeah. I was very impressed with Bobby Clark's, uh, you know, like we mentioned, mentality, definitely number one, but but also his technical skill yeah. in small spaces yesterday. Yeah. yeah, yeah, very much so. But his dad was a good player as well, you know what I mean? They, yeah, they, I these guys, they, I, I remember watching, like, uh, Neil Dan's and people, and, and, and you know, uh, 
Jason Kumas and people like that, who are good players. We, we've got a, another guy there as well called Keirol Figueroa, and his dad was Meno Figueroa. And Keirol uh, Figueroa is a USA youth international. He's there as well. Did his dad play for Wigan? Yes. Excellent. Meno Figueroa. Figueroa. Yes, he did. Yeah. Okay, great. And I, I, I think everybody knows I enjoy watching the kids when I can, watching mm -hmm. our, our younger teams. And I, I try to keep an eye on players who I think might be able to come through. And we haven't had that many coming through, but we've got some good ones now at the moment. You could see these, we could see these guys coming up for the last couple of years. But then now, Jaden Dance has put on height and, and, so, and bulk. like, And he looks, you know, 19 years old and he looks ready. So... You know, keep them around the squad. Get these lads integrated with into the. Uh, they're already integrated into the mentality. You know what I mean? It's just it's 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 can only bode well. Like Jorgen said, if he didn't think that there was something special in the future, he wouldn't be leaving. So he knows what he's doing. He's leaving the club in a, a very very uh, fit state. Unlike other clubs, when managers great or otherwise have left, the club has not been in a very fit, stable playing state. But we are. It still depends on 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 the style of manager Absolutely. who comes in. I mean, if for example we were to employ David Moyes, I'm pretty sure he will ruin uh, the the good work uh, pretty much immediately, um, as he did at United. Uh, so you know we have to be very careful not to employ a negative manager. We need somebody with positivity. You know, Ruben Amorim. My head's going with Amorim. My heart is with Alonso, yeah. but we're not going to talk good. about that for now. I want I want to yeah. stick to this this match and these these kids sure. especially. James McConnell, right? As you said, forty seven touches of the ball when he came on in the eighty sixth minute as a substitute, including in in those forty seven touches of the ball were three key passes, which is um, was it the most? Uh, yeah of like it's absolutely amazing it's the equal most of any midfielder we had on the pitch including uh well equal with alexis McAllister, who also had three key passes and when you consider that he he only played for half an hour um 87.2 percent passing accuracy i think he was i think he was incredible james mcconnell because it's hard to find players who can find space and it's hard to find players who can who know what to do in terms of making the right decisions. I mean, I'm very excited about Bobby Clark. I'm very, very excited about Jaden Dans. Um, obviously, over the moon with Connor Bradley. But apart from Connor Bradley, I think second on my list of players who I think have definitely got definitely got a big future. James McConnell's up there for me. What do you think? Save of us McConnell? a lot of money in the yeah, could save us a lot of money in the transfer market. Mm. All these kids could, but yeah. Could you imagine, like, you know, these guys coming along all the time, all the time, just building all oh, their young lads, their young lads, their young lads, four or five years' time. They're still pretty young. It's, it's like it's like Harvey Elliott, his 101st game for us yesterday. And I have to say, one of his better games. He, he was, I thought he was absolutely fabulous yesterday. I've had my doubts about him, about his pace and his positioning and stuff like that sometimes. But yesterday, there was no doubt. He was magnificent. So totally. just look at his... His example, these kids, you know, and, and and follow that. I think is is the way to go. It's just um, listen to the manager, listen to the coaches, listen to your teammates, um, soak everything in, and just be as good as you can. Totally, totally. I mean, Harvey Elliott, he he had six attempted long balls, five of them were accurate, 
Um, he was switching play a lot and he was playing lots of long vertical passes when it was necessary with the ball at his feet. He's he's a magician. He's he's really brilliant for the team. Uh, so 56 passes, 82.1% passing accuracy, uh, but also playing in two different positions, starting the game in Mo Salah's position and after Gravenberch's injury, uh, moving into midfield, it was it was it was sensational and still running. So running, 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 chasing down, harrying, not giving them anything, even deep into extra time. Wonderful, wonderful. Um, Nigel, do you want to talk about um, Nottingham Forest, which is in two days? Ridiculous. Is it Southampton? Sorry. Southampton. Of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's Southampton. I mean, I'm, I'm sort of. Um, my baby now is uh, is nine months old. He's about to be ten months old. I'm, I'm sort of half expecting a call from Jurgen, seeing if he can play in number six uh, for the Southampton game, the next match. Uh, but uh, I don't know. I mean, do you really care about the FA Cup at this stage? I, I mean, I would play the kids or the kids. I'd play the under-12s. I don't know. Who are you going to play? Is that Anfield against Southampton? Yeah. Nine o'clock. I, I, won't, I won't care until Wednesday night. Um, okay. That's, that's, that's just, you, you'd be saying to, you're saying to people, you know, oh, I don't care about the FA Cup. Yeah. Uh, well, anybody that's got any kind of a, a love for Liverpool doesn't want to lose any game. Under 12, under 5, under 6, doesn't want to lose. Simple as that. Well, I don't want to lose, but I don't particularly mind. I know, I know, I know. But again, in the but context. It's, 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 what's, what's here, what's in here, and what's in here mm-hmm. doesn't want the club to lose, if you know what I mean. Absolutely, it, it, absolutely. Yeah. It's just, yeah, but I, I wouldn't, I might not be a bad thing, but do we really want to go out to Southampton at home? I don't know. Well, I, no, I, I, I just hope, well, he'll play. He'll have to play the kids. <laughs> he hasn't got a choice, but these guys are good enough. I, I, I really think they are. And perhaps Trey Neone, a first start. Maybe Trey Maurice. Excuse me. Trey Maurice Neone. Uh, Liverpool have won each of their last four FA Cup meetings with Southampton, according to Google. Most recently, a 3 0 fifth round victory at Anfield in 1989 90. So it's the same round. The, uh, the, um, the last time we played them in 89-90, uh, a season in which we won the league. we still got all that to look forward to, Nigel. But for now, I want to thank you very much uh, for joining me today. It's been really good fun to talk about this top top really five annoyed. thing. Just uh, go through a couple of couple of comments. Uh, Doug uh, from the Dugout Football Channel has rolled out this one, which is a lovely one. Um, you can replace it. I've seen it a few times, but I love it. The earth is covered with 70% water and the rest is covered by Wataru Endo. I love it. Very good. Um, I used to say the same thing about N'Golo Kante and maybe Endo is his replacement. Yes, in the world stage. Kelsey was um, yesterday. Pardon? Kelsey was Kante yesterday, big time. No oh, one like him. I mean, well, he's another genius player. They'll never replace him. But maybe not, maybe not in 27 not. years. Incredible player. Oh, if only he'd signed for Liverpool. I used to teach yeah. English to his old agent. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, oh, he, was, he was a super player. I, live I thought he was a fabulous player. Yeah. And his, his ex-agent, who was his agent in the lower leagues, you know, where he played for a town called Caen, C-A-E-N, mm. uh, which is a town in Normandy in France. Um, and... So this guy was his agent when he transferred from Caen to Leicester. And he said something interesting to me. He said, he said, by the time he went to Chelsea, he said, in terms of being his agent, there, there were lots of very, there were lots of third parties involved in his transfer to Chelsea, mm. as opposed to, for example, PSG. Well, what a shock, huh? Chelsea involved in dodgy dealings. 
Well, um, I, I didn't say dodgy demons, you know. I did. Uh, it was Nigel. If you're going to sue anyone, sue Nigel. No, I'm only thinking about it. <laughs> um, yes, uh, but anyway, um, more of the comments. Lucho ran his legs off, says Gary. Gary says Lucho ran his legs off. Yes, he did. And he can't possibly start against Southampton. Uh, Gary is also feeling very saucy. And he says the title win will be special. Love the confidence there, Gary. Um, Pan of Scouse says uh, Harvey is so passionate and has a great work rate. Absolutely. He's one of us out there on the pitch. Love his passion. Love that moment with him and Kenny Dalgleish. If you haven't seen it in the tunnel yesterday, I'm sure the clip of it will be on on Google. They're just having a great laugh together. They, you know, Harvey, isn't he? Isn't he just, you know, sort of like you just wish he was like your cousin or something? Because he's just he's just a great guy. Great guy. Um, credits to the to the team. Uh, Pan of Scouse says also says um, he wants the quad. He cares about losing to Southampton. That's in response to me saying I don't really care if we lose to Southampton. Um, yes, I I flip flop to be honest because I don't want to be greedy, and I sort of go like this morning. I was thinking worst case scenario from here on in is that we go out of the FA Cup, we don't win the Europa, and we don't win the league. Worst case scenario. We're Liverpool, we should be going for the league, and we should be unhappy if we don't get the league every year. Yes, and part of me is like that every year. But then there's another part which is like, don't be greedy. Like, if you, if you, if you put into context of any other like sports that you want to do or any other journey that you go on as a fan of something, anything, the journey we've been on already this season and to have that incredible final, to win that in an unforgettable way, perhaps we could square the fact if we don't win anything else this season with the fact that we've had an absolutely remarkable and wonderful story this season, no matter what happens from here on in. So I think the pressure's off. I want the quad. I want the quad. But we've already had a fairy tale this year. So I don't want to get greedy and, and sort of insist on it. And, and if we lose, the, for example, against Southampton, then it's like somehow disappointing. It's not disappointing. It's It's been incredible. And there are Plenty of excuses as to why we would lose against Southampton, given the context. But uh, anyway, um, Panov says, nice one, fellas. Have a good day. Thank you, Panov. You too. Gary says, Starwin starts on Wednesday. Well, if he does, then Southampton have no chance. Philip Bidwell says, we play the kids on Wednesday and we'll still win. I'm that confident. Well, yeah, Philip, I'm glad. I'm glad you're that confident. And you may well be right. Gary Richard says, great stream, dear boy. Well, Gary, thank you. It's been uh, emotional. It's been a lot of fun. Special thanks to you, Nigel, for being a guest. It's been brilliant. Yeah, Is there anything we've missed? Anything you'd like to mention that we haven't no, mentioned? Just, just the way I'd look at things now is one game at a time. Keep winning. Go back to the old um, Oakland Raiders motto all down the years. I was up on their walls. Uh, just win, baby. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you to everybody. Um, you know, it's been, you know, with, without wishing to sound like, what do they say on EasyJet? It's been an absolute pleasure having you with us. 
Um, but, uh, you know, that was the robot saying that, and I actually mean it. It has been uh, thunderously wonderful to have you with us, you deliciously scrumptious crumpets. And we will see you next time on Cop On. Thank you so much. And ta-ra. Thank you. <laughs>